Hi, and welcome to the You Are Safe, the podcast. I'm Anne-Louise. Today is a little bit of a bonus episode. It is a conversation I had with Julie about anxiety, about her anxiety, and it was recorded for my podcast that I started last year. I had so much fun talking to her about her experience that actually from that episode, I decided that I'd much rather uh, co-host a podcast with Julie. And together we created the idea of of creating You Are Safe. So um, we want to share the conversation we had with you on this new podcast. So here it is. I hope you like it. A few years ago... I reconnected with my cousin, who I'd spent a lot of time with as a child, but then we sort of lost touch as we as we grew older. And while we were updating each other on our lives, how we're doing, what's happening, she was she told me about her little sister Julie, who was suffering from anxiety. And we spoke about how it affected her and her family, and I was very intrigued and interested in in knowing. I wanted to know more, and I, I was actually following Julie on social media. Um, and she had created a film, short film, about her anxiety that I watched with great interest. It was a fantastic film. And what I found was so intriguing and interesting was that we come from a family uh, where we usually don't speak about our problems. So I was very curious to know more. And recently, Julia and I, we did connect, and we started talking about uh, her anxiety, my anxiety, and, um, and how we're, what we're doing to get through it. And um, in that conversation, I asked her if she would share her story on this podcast, and, uh, and she said yes, so, and she's here with me today. So hi, Julie, and welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. No worries. So... Let's start with what, what is so important about talking about anxiety? I mean, I mean, you've just said it from a personal point of view for the two of us. We come from a place where we don't really speak about it. And from what I found, as soon as you start talking about your anxiety and mental health, you already feel about 1%, 10% better because mm. it feels like a, like a dirty little secret that you have in your brain. And anxiety sort of lives there to I mean it's trying to keep you safe but also I feel like it tries to isolate you and Mm. keep you to yourself and the longer you keep your anxiety or any sort of mental health problems to yourself it just keeps you in your head so as soon as you speak it out you sort of take away some of the strength from it and some of the you know the yeah the the badness of it (laughs) because yeah it just lives in your brain and I just found as soon as I started talking about it not only did I feel a bit like I was exposing the secret and sort of you know saying this has been in my head this is what I'm really like so you know getting a bit of um uh feeling a bit more genuine but also suddenly loads of other people are suddenly like I feel that way too and you don't suddenly you don't feel so alone Mm. and you know your anxiety does make you feel really alone so it's yeah that that was a long explanation but it's true it does take some of the power away and it opens up for communication which I think is so important that we that we start talking more about how um how these things affect us and and what happens so um how did you find out that you had that, yeah, we we were we've been talking a lot about whether we should call it having anxiety, suffering from anxiety, or what? Um, yeah, what do you call it? <laughs> I mean, I I say I have general anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, and I only say this because one, I was diagnosed, and I can I can tell you that whole story. Um, but the other is. From learning um, other people's mental health and from speaking, you know, I can see some people have anxiety in certain moments or certain times. Mine is quite constant and quite chronic. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm hoping I can fix it. I'm putting that in quotation marks because I don't know if I'll ever fully fix it. I think it is 
a little bit of a part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's due to, you know, trauma in my life, but also just my sort of personality. I'm very emotional, very sensitive. So I think there just always is that in me. Um, and then I think it just, I think I just do have generalized anxiety disorder, which does come from um, when I was diagnosed. Uh, mm. So I was diagnosed about, that I was trying to work this out, I think it was eight years ago, mm-hmm. um, officially. But from, you know, going through to therapy and going to doctors, I do believe I've had it since I was probably really little. I remember being about five years old and having an, and having like a panic attack. Um, wow, that is really, uh, really young. Obviously, I didn't know it at the time. But when I look back now, I remember it was the first time I found out about death. And I remember the feeling in my body of pure terror. Like, like pure terror. And I look back now and I was like, oh, that's, I know now that's an anxiety disorder, but that's anxiety. But back then I just thought, oh, this is, you know, I had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had several moments of that throughout my life where I look back and I'm like, that was an anxiety attack or that was a panic attack, but I just had no idea. And a lot of it was, you know, oh, she's having a tantrum, or she's super sensitive, or, oh, it's teenage angst, teenage hormones. Some of it probably was teenage mm. angst and teenage hormones, but I think a lot of it was anxiety. Um, I was always thinking about, like, death and the end of the world and very much, like, in these dark, dark thoughts mm. a lot. Um, and I tended to, like, go into this sort of, like, fantasy world to sort of keep me safe, Um up until like I still sometimes that's kind of my coping mechanism is sort of going into this world so had it for a very long time it feels like an old friend um Mm. so what was that like to for to get to get that official diagnosis it do you know what it was a relief Mm. because it was someone saying I see you Mm. I I know what's in your head you're not you're not crazy you're not this is not like not normal, but you know, you're not, this isn't something, this is something other people have. This is something you could potentially, you could get better. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think at that point I'm, a, you know, I was 22, 23, I was going into adulthood. So I think I was just like, Oh my God, this is just who I am. I just have all these things. And then, so to have a doctor say like, no, actually, this is this, you can look it up here. These are the tools, like, this is how we can get you help. Um, was, yeah, was a, was a relief. Mm, um, was this, was this the first time you ever felt that you could see a way out, that there was something well, you could. I, I didn't think there was like a way out. Cause I, I didn't even, I thought this was just who I was. Yeah. So it wasn't even like I was looking for how do I get better or how do I, you know, where do I get help or anything like that? It was just like, oh, this is just who I am. And I actually, like when I was in high school, I did go see a counselor, but I never spoke about this. Um, And when I first, when I turned 18, my dad was sick, got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and I moved to university. And I actually went and saw a counselor, but I never spoke about any of this stuff. It was very like, oh, my my dad is sick, and I'm homesick. It was sort of Mm. up there, which feels a bit surface obviously my dad being sick was not surface but you know it was very much there and then a year later my dad passed away so I went and I spoke about grief but again just I in my head I was like I'm just grieving it's just homesickness and obviously that was a lot of it but not even knowing there was so much more under the surface that I needed to Mm. discuss which then led me to I think I only spoke to this counselor maybe for like a couple of months after I lost my dad and I was like, okay, now I've dealt with my grief. Now carry on. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing. (laughs) It's not funny. Insane. Um, And then I just sort of carried on, carried on. And I remember having like, you know, going out, getting very drunk and crying and having panic attacks, but not knowing, just Mm. thinking like, oh, it's grief or all the just sort of using things to explain it away because I had no idea what was going on in my brain. And it wasn't until I had a moment where I was in my room, like dancing 
about as you do <laughs> and I knocked over a glass and I started uncontrollably sobbing over breaking this glass and I was just crying 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 and I looked down and my whole hand was just filled with blood mm. so I cut myself and I was like okay need to go to the nurse fix I need to fix this again surface like mm. need to fix it don't fix the crying uncontrollably over a glass fix the the hand that was cut you fix, fix went, what you can see, what you can physically not fix what you can't see, because that doesn't exist, maybe. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And it's the same, I think about, like, the grief. You know, everyone around me was also grieving. My siblings were grieving. So it's almost as if I was looking around being like, okay, we are grieving. I am also grieving. That is what I'm dealing with. I was just looking around being like, what is everyone else feeling? That's probably what yeah. I'm feeling. Let's deal with that. Because you're also very young at this point, right? It's a very confusing yeah. time anyway without yeah. without any mental health issues without any parents being sick it's a very confusing time yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you had a lot of other things to deal with at the same time yeah yeah um and then so I had this this hand I went up to the nurse and she fixed me up and then she went oh is there anything else I can help you with and again these tears came out and I thought about it this morning I'm so grateful that this nurse looked at me and went I think something else is going on. Oh. Let me get you to the doctor. And within a couple of minutes, she had arranged for me to go see a doctor. So I was going in, sitting with this doctor, and I spoke with her, and I was talking about my dad, all these things. And she just went, do you know what? I think let's talk a little bit deeper. And I just blurted everything out. And she said, I think you have generalized anxiety disorder and depression. Let's get you to like treatment. Let's get you tested. Let's work out what's going on. And I'm just thinking so many things had to go mm. wrong and right for these two women, this nurse and this mm. doctor to be like, something else is going on. Because throughout most of my life, it would have been explained away something yeah. else. So I'm just, I'm actually quite grateful that that all happened. And that's all linked with the relief from the diagnosis. Because I think it was built up in this moment of these two women being like, something's wrong. Let's check you out you have anxiety disorder and getting that sort of just being seen mm. was just a relief. Wow. That was a long explanation. For uh, <laughs> but bless that nurse, yeah. <laughs> wherever she is. Yeah, really. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I got to that diagnosis and sort of the, the journey that I've been on for the past eight years um, mm. to sort of get, I never like to say to get better because I feel like, it's not really getting better. I always feel like it's to to become like a better part of me is kind of how I feel. Mm -hmm. um, and because I think at the beginning, I was just forcing myself being like, I need to get better. I need to get rid of this anxiety. I need to get rid of this panic. And, know, and now knowing that doesn't really work because... Mm -hmm. You you need to go into a different type of dialogue with yourself <laughs> mm -hmm. than... You know, it's not a normal, you know, it's a cold. I'm going to take this pill. It's going to go away. You, it's a whole process, or at least it has been for me. Mm, yes, yeah. It's not like a broken bone that then gets healed and fixed and then it's not broken anymore. It, yeah. It's not like that, yeah. What was it like, um, I, I want to say, like, what was it like coming out to your family? Like, Because at some point, I'm assuming you must have had a conversation or what, what happened and, and how did they react? Yeah. So I, I called my eldest brother first and I was so nervous. I was like, Oh my God, he's gonna, my big worry was he's going to think I'm making this up or he's going to think I'm being overdramatic or he's going to mm -hmm. think I'm asking for attention, which I mean, it's probably linked with being, I'm the baby of the family. I'm the baby of six kids. And you know, that is sort of though, and I, I mean, I'm also, I would like to just put up front, I am a dramatic, you know, I'm from a creative background, I am dramatic, but <laughs> that, was, that was my big worry is that, yeah. oh, you know, come on, Julie, like, don't make this up. Um, and I'm so grateful I called him first because he opened up about some of his history and mm. some of what he's gone through. And he, he just sort of said, okay, that's, that's what's happening. Wow. I understand. That's fine. Um, How was, was that? How was that for such, you? 
such a relief again wow. such a relief yeah. and it's so funny to you know this is why it's so important to talk about yes. it because the fear of telling people or the fear of being honest about it is so huge and then you talk to and I would I would also like to say you talk to the right people and it can be such a relief I did also have people I spoke to that now aren't in my life anymore mm. or that reacted badly to it that couldn't handle it that made me feel worse about it like that those do exist um and I think you just have to realize you need you need good people in your life that are able to accept it and and be with it um mm. and these people who react that way to it either don't understand it or just aren't the right type of people mm -hmm. to have in your life mm. um And I mean, I think that's just general for everyone. Doesn't even have to be with anxiety. Just have good people in your life. But I think mm -hmm. especially with anxiety or any sort of mental health, you need good, empathetic, patient people in your life that will, you know, sometimes if I go on a night out, I'll have a panic attack or I'll be nervous or scared. And it's to have that friend that either says like, okay, let's go outside and have a glass of water or you know, do you need to go home? But yeah, you, you do just need those types of people anyway, but coming wow, up. No, I, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, what I'm coming at right now is that you're so incredibly brave to, uh, talk about, um, to your nearest, um, I'm trying to, to mirror it in my life. And I think I'm still too scared of, of talking about it. Um, and I think it's, It's because I don't quite understand it yet. Um, I, the first time I was, I, I had a hint that maybe I'm there's something going on. Was um, I, I don't like phone calls. I, I get quite. Um, I, I actually I, I get panic attacks when mini panic attacks when the phone call when the phone rings, and um, or I have to call someone. I don't like it. And I've often been told it's because of your lack of confidence or it's a like it's always been explained somewhere else and then I took it to um, a therapist one this topic I took it to a therapist once and and then she and I told this was in English and I said to her I am terrified of phone calls and she said to me she was trying to figure out do I really mean that terrified and I said I, I said I don't understand what you what you mean and I thought this was a language difference because it was in English and not in Danish And she says, well, you're terrified if you have an axe murderer coming and trying to kill you. That's That's being terrified. Um, or are you just af like afraid? Or like she was trying to put it up like that. And I realized that, yes, I'm actually as terrified as if an axe murderer would come and, and attack me. That's the same kind of fear I would feel when the phone is ringing. And and that's, yeah. And But I still don't quite understand it because it makes no like. Cognitive, logically, it makes no sense. Uh, it's just a phone call. And it's not with all phone calls, and it's not all the time. So it's it's very weird um, to talk about. And how, how do you feel about, like, how was it to talk about something that, I don't know, did you understand your anxiety better, or what's... I didn't understand it that much at that point. I was still very much learning, and I also think... You know, what I know now to what I know then has also changed only because of how much it's being spoken about in the real world and, you know, how much more knowledge there is about it now. Just within 10 years, mm. I feel I've seen a jump in how much more knowledge there is and how much more people understand. Um, and at that point, I had only really gotten the diagnosis, had only really, re re you know, when you get like a page from a doctor where it says, like, what's wrong with you, basically. Mm. <laughs> I only had that. Um, so I hadn't gone into the sort of, you know, I went out and I bought loads of books. Mm. I was reading a lot about it. I was like, tell me what this is and, again, how to get rid of it. Um, so I didn't fully understand it at that point. So it was just like, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. But, but it still made sense to me because, you know, again, what I spoke about, I had had all these terror thoughts and all these dark thoughts and, I thought that was just me and then understanding, oh, that's not me. That's the sort of fear that's been living in like my belly and in my mm. head. And so just to understand that and to say that was, 
was kind of nice because I always felt like, oh, she's weird or she's different and all these things. And so to say, like, I mean, I am weird and I am different, <laughs> but sort of to say, like, there is there's like a reason behind the why I've done certain things and why I feel certain ways. Um, I also have some irrational, irrational anxiety. Like a lot of my fear comes from social, social anxiety. Like I'm, but I used to do acting and if I was on stage, I'd be completely fine, like mm. completely calm. You would not know anything. However, if I was at a family party, I would sometimes have to leave and sit and cry in my room because that would give me so much anxiety. Wow. Which, again, doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Um, I used to be scared to speak up in class. Um, and again, my teachers would be like, but you're fine on stage. But again, putting my hand up in class was so terrifying to me. Like act, like acts murdered, terrifying. Is that, yeah. is that the yeah. feeling you're also, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, and it's just so weird, this whole sort of, like, I'll be in a, if I'm in a meeting room with people, I, my heart will race and I'll feel sick and I'll feel like I'm going to throw up. And yet, if I'm in, like, a busy train station, I feel quite calm. Like, it's very, it's mm. very weird. And, you know, anxiety is, is really weird sometimes. <laughs> and it really messes with your brain. Mm. But I think when you come to an acceptance of, like, oh, okay, that's anxiety. And again, I would only say it's only within the past maybe year that I've gotten more accepting of it. Mm. And being like, oh, okay, that's why, why you're doing it. Because at the beginning, it was just like, I have this diagnosis. What does this mean? It does explain some things, but why? Why is it here? Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I could I could imagine that because you don't understand. I, well, I don't understand much of it. It's also hard for people around you to under to um, accept it or understand it. And I don't know. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and that is why I made the film as mm -hmm. well because as much as I could speak about it. Um, I, I still would get from family, you know, are you not better yet? Can mm. you just say, can't you just say like, oh, get, o can't you just get over it? Or mm -hmm. can't you just move past it? And, and oh, I've heard that so many yep. times too. Yep. Aren't you like, past that yet? It's been so yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. Are you still feeling that? Like, why are you feeling, or like, or just being like, but just stop, just yeah. don't feel it. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm curious. Oh. <laughs> if it's that simple, I would have done it probably. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And I think a lot of it, you know, people will see people with anxiety or depression and be like, you know, you will get like, oh, they're just attention seekers. Oh, they're just, mm. you know they're just being dramatic or, you know, just get over it and not understanding you would just get over it. If you could, if you could, if I could, you know, stop feeling so panicked, if I go into a family party, I would a hundred percent do it, <laughs> but it just, you know, it just wasn't happening. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, my family doesn't fully understand it. And that's okay. because this is so weird. And that's why I made the film where I just thought, okay, I'm just going to show them what's mm. in my brain. I'm just going to, you know, wow. I filmed myself having a panic attack. I, you know, vlogged myself when I had those bad days. I talked about my dad. I talked about, I actually talked about a lot of things, which is in the uncut sort of version. But okay. you know, um, so I was just like, I'm just going to show them. And I remember showing it to my family and I could sort of see on their faces like oh okay mm. like suddenly understanding it a little bit more by seeing it and by sort of seeing my pain and I really tried to make it very like claustrophobic and you know isolated because that's what it that's what it feels like that is what it feels like living in my brain sometimes is just sort of kept in and you know closed up and it's really horrific and dark and and hard some days mm. and I was just like I need to I need to show them so they understand it and after the film I had so many good conversations with them I mean I already had good conversations before because they were sort of like oh, okay but I think the film was more of a turning point and not just for my family for my friends as well and I had friends being like oh I think I feel that way too like and oh which was really nice. amazing and 
and just having them be like, maybe I should go speak to someone. And um, that was great. And also I was at first I was like, I'm only going to show this to my family. Mm. I said it to the people I was working with. I was like, I'm only showing it to my family, maybe my friends. And they were like, no, you need to show this to other people. So I started opening up. I showed it at like a screening and I had this 40 year old man come up to me crying, be like, was like, that's how I feel. That's also how I feel. And I was like, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> goosebumps. Okay. <laughs> I have goosebumps all over. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And I, I got to go on a real journey with this where I, you know, showed it at more places. I got to go to um, the Amy Winehouse Foundation house where uh, women who have gone through rehab, they go and live there in like mm. a safe house. I got to go show it to them and speak to them. Um and got their reaction and it was just very much cementing like oh I need to speak about my anxiety and my mental health because people are benefiting from it because other people are being like that's how I feel and both it made me feel good to make other people you know be like oh that's how I feel I don't feel alone but suddenly I didn't feel alone at Mm. all and it was so freeing it's as if you know all these years where it was like oh you're being dramatic you're being you know too over emotional I was like whoop nope I actually need to be this way so I'm gonna shout it from the rooftops yeah. that which was amazing and freeing wow amazing wow and also it just helped me in my reco- in my recovery or in my development and yeah your road road to healing is what or your healing journey is what I like what is I like yeah. to call it tell me about your healing journey uh, still going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and um, probably like probably will, um, your entire life yeah. because like you say, it's a part of you and yeah. you need to find a way to be friends with it. Right. Yeah. Isn't that what you told me last yeah. time? Yeah. And I think it, you know, I've have sort of accepted that anxiety will just be a part of my life in some form. Mm-hmm. It may not always be this way. And I mean, it has also changed from, when I was first diagnosed, like my anxiety is different now. Um, I used to be very, very shy, very, very scared. Like that's sort of gone away. It's sort of a different anxiety now, which is also interesting to see. So it's, it sort of feels, I always say to my uh, husband that it feels like a, like a, I'm fighting different bosses at the end of like a game, you know, when you mm-hmm. fight and I'll like beat one and then I'll go to the next level and yeah. then it'll be a different boss and I have to beat that one. That, that's kind of how it feels, uh, mm-hmm. which is also fun. I'm like, okay, what's it molded into now? What's it making me scared of now? I'm going to beat it this way now. Oh, um, wow. Is it, is it that you're scared of different things at diff- like as you grow I, older? I just feel like it evolves. And I think that's attached to just learning more about my anxiety, learning more about my traumas. Um, learning sort of what I've gone through you know we I've already said at the beginning I was like oh this is just my dad being sick or this is just my dad passing away I I, sounds terrible that I say this is just because that's obviously a huge trauma but you know learning how much more there is attached to it Mm. Um, and I have the therapist I I see we she's always said that our work together is going to be in a in a trilogy and we're sort of in part three now oh um which is so it's interesting so I feel like my anxiety is just sort of uh evolving when I'm learning more about what it actually stems from I feel like I keep digging and being like oh this is what the anxiety is beating that and then just digging a little bit more and being like actually come from this and Mm. you know there's a there's a lot to a lot to uncover when you sort of spent your life covering things. There's a lot. It's almost like peeling off the wallpaper of a of an old house and mm. trying to work out. And I feel like I'm getting close to like that last bit. But so I think that's more of what the, this evolvement of my my anxiety is is getting to the actual actual root of it. Mm. Um, I think when I hear stories like yours, um, I I feel sometimes that these traumas and these things that we've been through, they're like a gift to us because you're so young. I mean, you're younger than me. You're (laughs) not that young, but you're and you already have such uh, an awareness and, and you know yourself 
um, on a level that our parents don't and probably never will. Um, and, and many people in the world don't know them themselves at that level. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm also very grateful for it. And mm. it's something my whole process, as hard as it's been, I've just been so thankful that my sort of body and everything reacted and was like, something's wrong. You mm. need to fix this. Um, and just got things sort of started, you know, say eight years ago when I was diagnosed, I was 20, 22, how old am I? Yeah, 22, <laughs> um, which I know is very young for, you know, to, to be like, something's wrong, let's sort this out. And, and I really, I really love it. And there are some days where I'm like, oh, but I wasted my life being mm. so anxious and being so mean to myself and all these things. And I'm like, you're only 30. Mm. Like, be grateful that, you know, you started this journey and, and now potentially you could have like a really nice, not a, not like a nice life, but it might be easier as I, as I get older and a much yeah, more connected life, connected to life and connected to your body and connected to your emotions and your feelings. And, and that's definitely going to help you um, build your resilience yeah. and, yeah, just be able to handle the rest of your life in a different way. Hopefully. In, <laughs> in, oh, you will. I'm, there's no doubt about that. Because I know that you'll, be, you'll keep looking. Um, because one of the things we, we, uh, I wanted to talk about was the, the route to recovery, or the, the healing journey, as we call it, is not going to be the same for everyone. It, it's about finding what's right for you. And... And something that you and I, I think we have in common is that we never give up. I know there's something wrong with me. I don't know what. And I'm going to keep looking <laughs> until someone tells me uh, what, what it is. And <clears throat> in my own journey, I have, I have gone to many different therapists, psychologists, psychotherapists. I've even went to a psychiatrist once, group therapy. Um, I've done um, EFT. I've done many, many different kinds of therapists. Uh, therapies and I think I'm looking for that diagnosis like give me that word that I can hang on to because that's what it sounds like you're doing also that when you got that word it was like oh finally an explanation and um, and recently I have found the best word that I could find um, is, a, is a complex PTSD um, so it's, it's post, post traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is like when one, one event happens that you keep reliving and keep being scared of, whereas a complex PTSD is more like many, many different things have happened and, and is affecting the way you live. Um, and it does feel, uh, nice, like, like there's a sense of relief knowing that there's a word uh to my to my behavior or something but yeah what i want to talk about is the you know never give up and that there there is a um it's not going to be the same for everyone and what works for you might not work for me and what what's been your experience in this well so i started um when i first got diagnosed they sent me to uh you know the very standard uh, six weeks CBT, which is like very standard for like the first sort of route in. Um, CBT is cognitive, cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy. therapy. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was like, okay, I'll do this. And I remember going into these sessions and it was like a middle-aged white man. Like there was nothing threatening or anything about him, but I would go into these sessions feeling so angry mm. and and CBT, there's always usually like a hand, like a workbook and you usually have like homework and you have to go in and be like, this is how I'm feeling this session. And they'll like tick off like a little smiley. And I remember just being like, this doesn't feel right. I, I hate this. Mm. I, I literally was like, I hate this because it felt like it was, it felt like what I had heard most of my life, which was, which was just like, oh, it's just this, can you just sort it out and just tell me what you're, you know, like a quick sort of fix. And I was like, I don't, I don't like this. Um, and I had six weeks of that and I left just being like, I don't feel any, I don't feel any better. 
like that didn't help at all. That seems um, incredibly short, like six weeks for an I anxiety mean, disorder seems, but maybe that's a whole other conversation. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> but, a whole bigger problem with, you know, that's all they offer usually for free. And it's like how, you know, I know now, how in the world can you be sorted in six weeks? I maybe understand someone who is going through like a stress at work and, you know, they need to talk it out. That that sounds dead. not that that problem is like smaller, mm. but you sort of know what I mean. Like from where I was, if to think that six weeks would fix me was just, mm. just insane. Um, and I also left being like, oh, okay, I've been through those six weeks. Is that it? Like, am I fixed? Is that oh. what I should be doing? Um, is this what fixed? Is this what fixed yeah. feels like? like <laughs> exactly, because obviously I was like, okay. Um, and then I, uh, I actually, I started like a master's program and I had to pull out because I was getting panic attacks when I was going to this program. And I, I was like, this isn't working. I, we then moved and I went to a different university and I saw a different counselor. And again, it was... <laughs> It was like a middle-aged man, nothing, nothing bad about him. Again, there's nothing wrong with it, but there, I would go into these sessions again feeling angry. Mm. I was like, this doesn't work. And, and he kept trying to talk about, talk me into doing um, tapping therapy. He was like, we're just going to do tapping therapy and we'll get all those traumas out. That's kind of how he explained it to me. And I said to him, I don't want the traumas out. I want to talk through them. I want to work through them. And then I want to sort of let them go and he was like you're holding on to your traumas too much and I was like no and again I can see that process working for other people I really can and I know people who tap that has worked for them but that didn't work for me because I think deep down I knew bad things have happened I need to talk through them I need to work through them please could someone just help me yeah. um so again, that per and I think I went to him for maybe a few months, and again, that just did not work. Um, and then we moved again, and I, uh, I went through a very bad time where I had to go on sick leave. Um, I went to the doctors; they again sent me for another six weeks of CBT. It was again the workbook. I hated it. I was like, I don't want this. But they you did it. You you. There was something in you that thought, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Because I was like, I this is what they're telling me to do. I'm just mm. going to do it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go see this person. I went back and I said, that's not working. They sent me to another therapist. And I actually, after two sessions with this guy, sat in the session with him and I said, this isn't working for me. And I was crying and I said, I just want to get help, but you're not helping me. And he almost looked like a bit over it, like, but come on, this is CBT. This is what works for everyone. This is, you know, what should be helping. Oh, that's dangerous. Um, when someone yeah. starts saying this works for everyone, then yeah. some alarm uh, clock, uh, bells need to start ringing. Exactly. And obviously, when you keep hearing like, but this is what helps and this is what works. And you're like, but I'm not getting any better and I'm getting, you know, I'm having to go on sick leave. I can't go to work. I'm scared at work. And and I remember them being like, oh, we're going to sign you up so you can go to the gym and that exercise will help you. And I was like, and I remember listening to your episode where it said oh, when you're at that first stage of like stress, you shouldn't be, you know, pumping more stress hormones into me. But the doctors were telling me so I would go and be like running on the treadmill and obviously feeling worse and worse and worse because I was just getting so much adrenaline in my body. Um, and it got to a really dark point where I was having suicidal thoughts. I was saying to my husband, like, can we please, I want to, can we go into like a center? Like, can you just send me basically to like the hospital? Like I can't deal with this anymore. And it was, you know, I was afraid to go outside because part of me just wanted to walk into the street. I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. I just want a car to hit me. Like mm -hmm. this is getting so horrific. Um, and again, some sort of universe angel, something came out of the, like the nurse and the doctor at the beginning. Um, my husband's a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing, very far extended. They said, oh, this therapist has really helped me. Why don't you go to her? And it was at a point where I was like, I'll just try anything. I'll do anything. 
Um, and as soon as I stepped into her office, it was very like earthy, lots of plants. Like, um, I, and she was like, let's sit on the floor. There were pillows. I sat down and I was like, okay, this feels, this feels better. Um, and she, so there was an immediate feeling of groundedness almost because when you say earth and flowers yeah yeah. yeah. and you know she started talking instantly started talking about like childhood and and traumas and um everything that was going on beneath my anxiety beneath my depression beneath all these thoughts and I was like that's what I've been looking for that's what I want um and yeah she's been the one I've been with now for how long has it been now maybe five five years on mm. and off mm-hmm. um again she's the one that she says our work is going to be in a trilogy mm. and we're in part three right now but um yeah it just it took a while to get there but I'm I'm grateful that I kept going that I wasn't just like okay it's been six weeks I guess I'm better now or or just accepting that CBT and going to a gym was going to fix me and um just I just kept looking for for something different and and I needed to be with a therapist that was sort of a bit more like uh you know she's a bit more like focuses on my creativity and on my imagination and makes me speak with my inner child and my inner teenager and we sit and make like collages and drawings and that sort of thing and for some people, I know that sounds like hell because <laughs> they would rather just, you know, have a chat and tell me what to do. But there's something in me that needed that approach mm. and it's really what works for me. And I'm just so grateful that I kept I kept going and I kept trying to find mm. the right outlook because unfortunately what you hear when you get diagnosed and when you go to websites is like, you're going to get this sort of therapy and this is what's going to work. And you don't usually get something that says like, there are different types of therapies or there are different ways you could deal with this. And speaking with my, my therapist, I, you know, I come from this performance background and she talks about, you know, you should, you should sing or you should dance or listen to music and get into that. And that made me go back to singing lessons, which has really helped me because it sort of opens up a different part of me and, and I just think the emphasis on how many different ways you could get better just needs to be out there more because it just it just isn't. And it's so frustrating to see people I know who get sick, who just get sent to the doctor and just get pumped with pills mm. or they just get sent for six weeks or they get sent to go swimming or, you know, all these like quick fixes. And it's like there's so many different ways you could get better and. I was thinking about it this morning, you know, if you want to like get fit or lose weight or feel better about your body, you know, there's also different, like, I hate going to the gym. I need to be doing like yoga or dancing like that helps me get better. But, you know, I have siblings that need to go for runs and that makes them feel better. And I feel like, why do we not talk about it the same way Is that like getting fit for your body should be the same as getting fit for your brain. There's different ways of doing it there's yeah yeah and uh, yeah I love everything that you're saying it's so it's so important to to emphasize to, to, that we have these conversations that not one thing is going to be um right for you and that you need to keep looking keep you know um I I've been to all these different therapies because none of it was working for me none of it I felt none of it was um yeah doing it for me and there's also the part that maybe I wasn't ready for that type of whatever it is they were doing with me um, because you need to be ready because it's a, it's, you know, I think it's a journey. This is why I like calling it a healing journey because you're going to be ready for different things at different times. And I also think now you found psychotherapy that really worked for you. And I would argue that maybe down the, down the road, you could try another therapy that would, you know, give, get you like discover a different part of you that you maybe now wouldn't be ready for but you would be in the future so I think it's like we shouldn't discard any of the therapies I think they're all benefit like they they all have something but you need to find what works for you and in the order that would be right for your um 
for what you're ready for. And I don't think that we should ever think that it's a failure. I don't think your CBT was a failure. It was just you learned that that was not a that that was not right for you at that time. I think that's that's very important to to um, to talk about. And I love how you're saying with the singing and the and the using your body because uh, recently I've been I've been studying a lot of trauma um, healing um, methods and. It all has to do with the body. It all has to do with... Uh, this is why they, they talk about how yoga is so healing for you. Because in yoga, you connect to your body. You learn how to breathe and really feel. You're not just standing in a pose. You're, you're, you're being conscious about every different body part and how you're standing in that pose. And it just gives you a different kind of um, awareness about yourself. And that's where I, I think healing is there. Healing is not going to be just in your brain. I think you need the brain, you need the sort of CBT therapy to understand and make some, or I don't know if it's called CBT therapy, all of them, but, uh, you know, head therapy, talk therapy, where you make the connection between, oh, this happened as a child and now I, I react like this. Okay, I understand. I like make that connection. But true healing, when you're ready for it, happens in the body. For sure. And I, my body reacts very strongly to things like I'll have something happen traumatic and you know it can be a an argument or um, a bad phone call or something and sometimes my body doesn't feel it to like a week or two later like mm. I'll suddenly feel really sick or my stomach will act up or something like that and I always almost give like a little thanks because I, I feel like for other people that would build up and then they would like explode and have a full meltdown. But I feel where I am now, my body's like, hey, you something kind of bad happened to you. Let's take a day where we just take a big rest. And I'm like, OK, um, so I always I always get a bit mad if I'm like throwing up or I have these big headaches. But, you know, my body's like, take a little rest, mm. take a take a quick little break. Because we're not tra we're not used to that. We're not trained. We're not taught how to listen to our bodies. So we ignore these signs, and we're taught if something is wrong, I have a headache, or I have, or I'm throwing up. There must be, you know, a bug or something. So I go to the doctor. I get a pill. Um, and also mental health issues. I mean, so many people are on antidepressants where they may may not need to be. And yeah, it you know before we go to these chemicals, maybe just. Listen, pay attention, connect, see what's going on. And I was going to mention that as well, which is that I, I, there were some doctors that did say to me like, oh, let's put you on antidepressants. And there was a gut feeling in me that was like, I don't, I don't want them. I, I don't want them. I want to work. I want to work through them. And antidepressants I know has helped low, a lot of my people I know and has really helped them get through life. But there was some gut feeling in me that was like, I don't want it. And I remember at a really dark period, I spoke to a doctor and I said, should we just do antidepressants? And she said, no, I don't, I don't think it's right for you. And I was like, oh, okay. And she said, I, I feel like you should be doing things like, you know, yoga and meditation and talking to your therapist. And I was like, yeah, that's how I feel too. And mm. it was just like, thank God. And that's always how I felt is that I, not that I'm I'm strong enough to deal without medication. But no, more just like that's not what it's about. No, no, no. It's it was more like I have such already this connection to sort of my body from you know doing things like dancing and singing and um, and I was just like I think I need to connect to that um, and it may be at some point I do need medication to get through things and I think if I get to that point I'll be like okay that's fine but when I'm going through this whole healing journey. And I'm also very much the kind of person that I'm like, put me in the deep, dark thoughts. Like, I want to get to that point and I want to sit with it and I want to work through it. Like, let's just do this. Um, but, which is why I was like, I don't need medication, but maybe, maybe some point. And also things like tapping therapy, maybe I will need that at some point. But right now I'm I'm very happy being in this sort of like, singing spiritual sort of connection which again I know sounds like the worst thing for some people but it it works for me and and I just I love that I've gotten to that point and I love that I've had a therapist that's 
told, you know, I sit with her and she's been like, maybe you can go to this kind of therapy. Like she recommends other therapy, which I think is pretty great from someone like that. Cause you could have just have someone being like, no, this, which I did. No, this is the right way. Mm. This is what you should be doing. Um, no, I think there are many different kinds of, um, I think you need to try all of it <laughs> to really have, but when you're ready for it, don't just jump into it, but when you're ready, see a therapist, when you're ready, talk to a coach, when you're ready, see a alternative therapy, you know, when do try all the things and eventually you will find what's right for you. But I think a big of it, big thing of it comes from knowing who you are as a person. Mm. If you're someone who has like a very sciencey, logical brain, like maybe you should go somewhere where there's a workbook, where there are tasks where you can get through and you know, if you're someone like me, who's very like, you know, kind of hippy dippy, as my husband calls me, then, <laughs> then there is, it is the sort of movement therapy, you know, yoga, breathing, getting into that sort of thing. And I think that has really helped me acknowledging who, who am I as a person? What do I like? What helps me? And being honest with yourself and not listening to what other people think is right for them. And and that's why I always think it's a little bit tricky when you are talking to other people with mental health issues is that you can get sucked in and being like, oh, that worked for them. That's not working for me. Why is that not working mm. for me? And it's sort of sitting with the feeling of like that worked for them because that's the kind of person they are. I need to find what works for them. I can try what worked for them. And if it works for me, great. If it doesn't work for me, no judgment that's fine. Let it go. Yeah. yeah. And try something yeah. else. Completely understand. Yeah. I am. I come from a scientific background. Um, but today I'm much more like you would call hippy dippy. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, a great term. <laughs> um, more alternative. Um, but I also love combining both worlds. Uh, so, but, and yeah. We could get into a whole other conversation about why I, I became a scientist, but that's for another time. But I think um, I, th I think we, we will uh, stop here. And uh, I, what what we've what I've learned and what what I hope you have learned, uh, you listening is um, is there's nothing wrong with you. Find your way and and uh, let's open up conversation. Let's not be scared of talking um, about mental health issues. So. Thank you so much, Julie, for, for being here and Thank sharing you. your story. Thank you.